I'm Mark and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast for researchers who want to be more productive and achieve real-world impacts from their research. This week I want to think about how we can deal more effectively with conspiracy theorists. Now, you have to live under a rock these days not to come across conspiracy theorists, and I would argue that if you're trying to achieve impact from your research, then you are more likely than not to come up against conspiracy theorists. Whether this is a stakeholder or a public engagement pathway to impact, there will be people out there engaging with your research who do not believe a word you are saying because they are bought into a particular conspiracy theory. Now, for me, the richest seam of conspiracy theorists, I find, uh, bizarrely, are taxi drivers. Uh, When they ask what I do and I say that uh, I research climate change, uh, instantly I get all of their weird and wonderful conspiracy theories. And I'm going to suggest that your gut reaction to dealing with this, um, which is essentially, typically, uh, don't be so stupid, is probably not that constructive. Now, in a taxi, uh, when I don't really want to get into a discussion about my research, then maybe that's fair enough. But if this is a pathway to impact on someone who I actually want to influence, then the worst thing I can do is say, well, don't be stupid, of course the world is not flat, everyone knows that the world is round and here is the evidence. Because what I'm doing is essentially I am shaming that person. I'm saying you're stupid. Uh, And this actually plays directly into the psychology of conspiracy theory. So I'm going to explain a little bit more about that in a moment. But essentially now I am confirming everything that they ever believed about people like me, that yeah, you are part of the rich elites who are lording it over us, who are patronising us, criticising us, and making us feel like we're not worthy. Uh, And, of course, uh, by definition now, as part of that elite who are irresponsibly ruling over us, the masses, uh, it is my responsibility to, uh, to fight against you and to disbelieve everything that you are saying. So um, uh, how can we more constructively engage with conspiracy theorists without just uh, patronising, debunking in in ways that will actually cause more harm than good? I'm going to suggest there are three things that we can do. Uh, And the first is the one that I'm going to spend least time on because it's fairly obvious. Um, Well, let's just give this a try because you just never know um, that uh, this person may in fact be fairly rational. Um, uh, And so let's actually present the evidence. And it may just simply be that they've never been shown that evidence. So um, I'm a young person, I'm very intelligent, but uh, I've only ever been exposed to groups of people within my little social media bubble, my friendship circle, my family circle, who believe one set of things. Uh, and actually now, uh, given a bit of intelligence and an open enough mind, when presented with someone who is actually giving some evidence that contradicts all of that, which is very cohesive and compelling evidence, it may be that I actually rationally turn around and say, you know what, maybe there's something worth thinking about here. And so uh, I think it is always worth respectfully starting by uh, considering whether or not this person is open-minded enough to consider a rational discussion. Uh, So I'm asking a few questions uh, to to start with uh, to try and and work out whether or not that is the case and maybe starting gently down a line of, uh, of debate. 
Um, but very quickly you will discover uh, if that person is just simply not open to debate. Uh, they will not listen to what you're saying. They will not take on what you're saying. They'll instantly kind of come back with their conspiracy theories. Um, uh, and and you get a, you know when you're talking to someone who's open-minded, don't you? Um, so great. Let's assume now that uh, that has failed, um, which with a hardened conspiracy theorist will almost always fail. And so your second step now is going to switch strategy from trying to prove that you're right based on evidence to interrogating the person's beliefs. Now, there are two situations where you might want to go down this route. Uh, the first is where actually you're pretty clear now looking at this that uh, the evidence is not actually that clear. They may well have a point. You don't believe them. Um, but uh, but you know what? Precautionary principle. Yeah, long term, maybe this thing might cause cancer. I can't prove that it doesn't in the long term because all the evidence is short term. Um, so let's not just start down a road where, where potentially, yeah, uh, I'm going to hit up against a point where, yeah, we don't know. Um, and the second thing, uh, the second situation where you're going to want to switch from evidence to uh, to belief is where you've got someone who is a hardened conspiracy theorist and it is very clear that this is not about rationality. They are not going to listen to any form of, of evidence. Well, there's no point in going down, well, your evidence is right, my evidence is wrong, because actually the, the problem here that I'm going to diagnose um, looking at this uh, is that the, the person is not convinced necessarily by the evidence supporting their conspiracy theory. They're convinced by the set of beliefs and values that underpin that conspiracy theory. And if you can actually now interrogate those and start having a discussion at that level, that is when something now might potentially begin to shift. So uh, the first thing that I might do is to, uh, to, to try and look for contradictory beliefs. Uh, and there's some quite good uh, evidence, which I'm going to come on to in a moment, that suggests that, uh, that most conspiracy theorists actually do hold a range of contradictory beliefs. Um, uh, and so this now suggests that, well, okay, uh, this is clearly not about evidence because I can't logically uh, hold these two contradictory beliefs at the same time. Um, so it must be about beliefs. And can we now have a think about those beliefs rather than going round and round in circles about bits of evidence that contradict each other? Um, uh, and essentially, the, the research on this suggests that uh, what is going on, what is driving conspiracy theory behavior is a need to feel special, a need to feel that I am unique, that I am different. So I, 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 I align myself with conspiracy theories. Uh, not because they make most sense or they're most logical or the, 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 they have the best evidence supporting them, but because they help to give me a sense of identity that is very clearly different. It's countercultural. Uh, I don't listen to the mainstream media because I'm not like everyone else. I'm not one of the drones. I'm special. I'm unique. I'm different, which is why I listen to this form of media. I don't believe, like everyone else, that the world is round. Um, that's what you get taught in school because I'm not quite sure what the conspiracy theory, theory is, to be honest. But, uh, but anyway, I don't believe that. I believe that the world is flat. And of course, the evidence is, uh, is, is incontrovertible on this, uh, but that isn't the point here. 
and I'm perfectly happy to, and I've seen a, a video of this, go up on an airplane and travel from the UK to America holding a spirit level and showing you for the entire journey that that spirit level has not shifted and therefore here is the evidence, all the evidence I need that the world um, is, uh, is in fact flat. I will make my own evidence, uh, an evidence that feeds into what I need to believe in terms of my, uh, my identity, that my identity is different and I'm unique and there's a bunch of other people like me and we're special. We are in the minority by definition and the fact that we're in the minority, that we're under siege, that schools and governments and everyone in power in the world is against us is what makes us feel in fact so special. So the, the research on this uh, is from a couple of different places actually. This is just it's fascinating stuff. Um, so uh, the first is an article from um, the European, no, if I'll go with this one, um, this is from Social, Psychological and Personality Science, the journal, this is by Wood et al. from, when is it, uh, 2012. Um, uh, and the title of the article is Dead and Alive, Beliefs in Contradictory Conspiracy Theorists. Uh, and I'm going to quote from their uh, abstract, uh, and it says uh, in the study, uh, more, uh, the more participants believed that Princess Diana faked her own death, the more they believed that she was murdered. And the more participants that believed that Osama bin Laden was already dead when US special forces raided his compound in Pakistan, the more they believed he is still alive. Now, what they did was essentially give conspiracy theorists, um, self-declared uh, conspiracy theorists, uh, a survey with a whole load of conspiracy theories in it. Uh, and in that uh, survey was hidden the conspiracy that uh, Princess Diana uh, is in fact still alive. She faked her own death. Um, and of course, uh, we all know that she is hiding and that was how she escaped from the paparazzi and from uh, her unhappy life. And, uh, and great, she's in hiding now. Uh, later down the questionnaire, um, a few conspiracy theories later, uh, they then ask the person, do you, or you, do you or do you not believe in this conspiracy theory? Uh, of course, we all know that uh, Princess Diana um, uh, didn't die, she was murdered. Um, uh, and it was actually a plot to kill her by her boyfriend. Um, I can't remember the full theory now. Um, but, uh, but yeah, she wasn't killed, she was murdered. Um, and that is the conspiracy theory, do you believe that? Uh, and these conspiracy theorists uh, were more likely than not to tick, yes, I believe both of those conspiracy theories, uh, they're both true, when clearly she cannot both be dead and alive. And the same goes with uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, another survey, and hidden in that survey, are these two contradictory statements. Well, we all know that, uh, of course, when the, the, the special forces got there, he wasn't dead. Uh, so he, he was dead already. Um, uh, he'd committed suicide, he'd blown himself off, um, and of course the, UK, the US government wanted to claim credit for this, so they claimed that actually they killed him, but he was already dead. Um, uh, and the evidence is, is clear, everyone knows that if, if you're in the know. And later on down the uh, down the the, the survey, uh, of course, uh, we all know that Osama bin Laden is uh, is alive, and he's actually still coordinating Al Qaeda, uh, but he's just in he's just in hiding, um, and he faked his his own death, uh, and to avoid uh, the the shame of not having caught him, the U.S. Uh, forces claimed that in fact uh, he yeah, they killed him, but no, in fact he wasn't ever in the the compound when they arrived. 
Uh, and again, of course, he can't both both be dead and alive. This is entirely rational, and uh, and these people will clearly say, yeah, a person is either dead or alive, and yet they hold these contradictory conspiracies. Now, why is this, and uh, and, and what's going on here? Uh, and uh, a second study uh, now gives us the answer to this. So this is uh, from the European Journal of Social Psychology. This is um, uh, by Imhoff and Lamberty. The article is called Too Special to be Duped. Need for Uniqueness Motivates Conspiracy Beliefs. Uh, and a quote from their abstract, there's a robust association between the self-attributed need for uniqueness and a general conspirac conspirational mindset, conspiracy mentality, as it's known. Uh, as well as the endorsement of specific conspiracy beliefs. Now, uh, in this study, the, um, uh, the, the researchers, uh, again, found a bunch of conspiracy theorists and asked them uh, whether or not they believed a fake conspiracy theory. So they made up a conspiracy theory um, that fits uh, the kind of the mould of these kinds of uh, ideas. Uh, and the conspiracy theory is that we all know that, um, of course, the German government spies on the whole German population, and it does so because the German government issues free smoke alarms to all households in Germany. And um, if you accept the government smoke alarm and put it into your house, hidden in those smoke alarms, there are microphones and the German government is able to listen into your every conversation. Now, they divided the population into half and for one half, they gave them this statement with um, one additional bit of information. And that additional informa information was that... Um, that uh, very few people within the German population understand or are aware of this. Um, uh, so the vast majority of, of Germans are not aware, they do, or, or if they are aware, they do not believe this to be true. Uh, and then the conspiracy theorists were asked, do you believe this to be true? And the vast majority of them said, yes, absolutely, this, uh, this is exactly the kind of thing, yeah, in fact, yeah, I instinctively know this is true, yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, the other half, they gave exactly the same conspiracy theory, but with uh, an additional bit of information that was put around the other way. So here is this conspiracy theory. Uh, but now, um, uh, the vast majority of German citizens are aware of this and understand it and believe it to be true. Do you believe it to be true? And Surprisingly, or perhaps not surprisingly, if you understand the theory behind this, the vast majority of conspiracy theorists said, no, I don't believe that. No, that's, 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 that's not true. Um, and essentially what they are saying here is that uh, they want to be part of a club of people who go against the grain, who uh, are, are the few, the chosen few perhaps, who, uh, who, who are in the know who are special because they have not been duped. They, they, they believe something which is unique. And of course, I am unique. Uh, and as a unique individual, I have value. And there's a sense now of belonging 
to a tribe, to a group of, of people who, who are special, who are in the know, who, like me, understand that we're all being duped by the government, by corporations, by whoever else it might be who has power. Uh, and together now, there is a sense of belonging and an identity that, that satiates that innate human need that we all have uh, psychologically to, to feel special. Uh, and so when you realize now that this is what is driving conspiracy theory, then uh, instantly I can see that I'm on a losing battle trying to persuade you based on the evidence that you are wrong. Because what I'm doing now is I'm actually undermining this, this hugely secure part of my identity that gives me a sense of purpose, of who I am, of security, that, that I know uh, in my heart of hearts that I'm different, I'm unique, and that there is a group of people like me that know something. Uh, and it's, it maps onto some of the other kinds of uh, behaviors that you see um, in some religions, especially uh, where you would see this as a cult, that, you know, we are the chosen few. Um, everyone else in our religion has these crazy beliefs, or everyone else in the world has these crazy beliefs, but we know uh, we are the, the chosen few, we, we are in the know. Um, and there's that sense of, of specialness now that, uh, that, that, that gives you a sense of self-esteem, of, of value. Great. So uh, if that is now uh, the challenge, uh, then I can move to the third and final step. Uh, I've switched from a strategy based on evidence to a strategy based on interrogating beliefs. Uh, and now I need to ask myself a, a crucial question. If this is a belief, is this a helpful or a harmful belief? And I'm going to suggest that, um, contradict sorry, controversial though this may sound for many of, uh, of you out there who your job is to collect evidence, um, in some cases, actually, uh, this is a belief that uh, to disabuse someone of that belief may actually be more harmful than helpful. Uh, and I want you to, to think about now what psychological role this belief is playing for that person. Uh, and as such now, how gently, um, or if at all, you now try and disabuse them of that belief. Uh, and think about the long-term consequences and what you're replacing that belief with and what support there is given the psychological role that those beliefs are playing for that purpose, for that person. So I think there's some really quite deep ethics now involved with how we approach uh, a conspiracy theorist. So um, a few questions you might ask yourself. Um, is this belief now something that is stopping you going outside? Is it constraining your behaviours in ways that prevent you from doing things that would be good for you or that you want to do? Is this making you afraid on, on a regular basis? Um, so there are people that, that I know um, who uh, have become afraid to go out, uh, afraid in their own house because of the belief that they are being spied on. Um, and these are not um, uh, people with, with a diagnosable mental health condition uh, in terms of paranoia. Um, but, the, but they believe that there are certain technologies that are listening in on their every conversation. Um, so, um, so I guess Alexa um, and Siri um, are the latest uh, in this, this category. Uh, our houses, uh, our technology, our phones are listening into our TVs, our smart TVs are listening into everything that we're saying. And someone somewhere is analyzing this data and is going to use it against us somehow. Um, 
Uh, I know people who um, uh, they, they are not able to have Wi-Fi in their house. Um, they aren't able to use a mobile phone. Um, they're, they're worried about um, spending too long in any kind of built-up area because of the density of phone masts. Um, uh, and uh, in modern life, that is a fairly debilitating set of beliefs. Um, I'm now um, uh, there are a bunch of things I'm unable to do if I'm not able to go into a city um, uh, or or use my mobile phone in any way. Um, uh, and you can say maybe that's a good thing um, uh, for some of these people. And uh, and yeah, if I'm retired, if um, uh, my job doesn't require me to do any of those things, then great, that's maybe quite healthy for me. Um, uh, no problem. Uh, but if this now prevents me from doing my job um, and earning a, li- a livelihood and having to move house or whatever it is, and this is now causing problems for me, then maybe actually there's a set of beliefs here that I might be able to help someone overcome that might actually be beneficial for them to interrogate. Uh, so I'm not just writing them off as a lost cause because I want to help them now. Um, uh, let's also think about whether these are beliefs that might harm others. Now, this is much more challenging, um, and you're much less likely to succeed in this. But hey, let's let's give it a try, um, because um, it may be that uh, the the conspiracy theories that uh, that we're thinking about here are stoking racism. Um, so, uh, I've only ever tried to uh, to tackle this once uh, with a, a family member, um, where where I pointed out that there was one thing in common with all of the conspiracy theories that they had told me, and that the the group to blame for each of these conspiracy theories were the Jewish community. Um, so I can't remember the full list now, um, but one of them was the the classic that the twin towers were in fact um, blown up by um, by 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 Jews in order to create a war by America against Muslims. Um, uh, and the, the evidence of this is that uh, all the Jews had left the building before it, the, 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 the Twin Towers blew up, apparently. Um, and so he gave me a whole load of other anti-Jewish um, uh, conspiracy theories, and I was becoming increasingly uncomfortable, and pointed out the fact that actually uh, the, there is this one thread in common. Uh, and my approach to this was to say, uh, do you think there is, well, first of all, um, uh, are you anti-Semitic um, and uh, are you racist? And um, any racist that I've met is uh, adamant that they are not a racist. Uh, and so, of course, no, I'm not a racist. Um, uh, but um, all these Jews are trying to control the world and make everyone else poor and, and <laughs> whatever else. Um, uh, but actually, now, hold on a minute. Can I just get you to have a wee think about how this is all adding up? Um, and some of the things that you're now saying uh, actually come from the basis that you believe these conspiracy theories. And actually, you have a set of beliefs that are actually remarkably anti-Jewish. This is a group. This is a race. Uh, that you are against, um, and wouldn't that fit the criteria for racism? Well, perhaps, maybe. <laughs> I'm getting back now. Um, and now uh, let's attack this from the the, 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 the the home territory of a conspiracy theorist. Might it not be possible that there is someone constructing these conspiracy theories who has an agenda? here, who might perhaps be constructing a set of conspiracy theories which have this one thing in common in order to drive anti-Semitism. Um, uh, you can't prove 
Uh, I can't prove that I'm right at all. I've no idea who that person might be, um, but isn't it credible? Isn't it possible? Um, uh, and um, have a think about now um, uh, what some of the things that are coming out of your mouth might sound like and how you might be considered by others. Do you want to be considered as a racist? Um, what might happen if you continue down this line? Um, well, yeah, maybe there's a conversation. Um, now, I'm not going to say that I convinced this person to, um, to not believe in those conspiracy theories or to change their, their views uh, about members of the Jewish community, um, but, uh, but we were able to have a conversation. So, um, uh, so first of all, is this harmful to the person? Uh, or as a result of these beliefs, might their beliefs be harmful to others? Uh, and if so, then I'm trying to facilitate, facilitate a conversation about that person's beliefs. Uh, not about the evidence behind it, because it's going to be very hard to prove any of this stuff, uh, at least for a person like this. But let's talk about those beliefs. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and where this is now something which is, uh, which is harmful, um, then, uh, then effectively I'm using the tools of cognitive behavioral therapy here to try and consistently or systematically even uh, change unhealthy beliefs to more healthy beliefs. Uh, and the motivation behind a person now starting out along these lines is not because um, the new beliefs are more evidence-based. Um, it is because the new beliefs are more healthy. If I could overcome these beliefs and find some evidence that I'm happy with that uh, now enables me to believe something different, might I be able to actually get myself a mobile phone? Might I be able to venture back into the big city again? Might I be able to do this kind of job? Uh, might people think differently about me and might I be less racist as a result of this? And maybe that's actually a good thing and I want to do that. Okay, so I've now got to a place where I maybe want to interrogate, maybe even change my beliefs. And if you go through the, the CBT process, the, the first is to try and regularly spot the negative or harmful thoughts. Uh, and so as I go through life, I'm spotting, yeah, now that is a conspiracy theory that actually now feeds and stokes racism. The flat earth thing, yeah, you know what, let's, let's go for my life. I can continue believing my whole flat earth thing. Uh, but some of this um, uh, anti-Semitic stuff, yeah, I'm actually spotting that's anti-Semitic and I'm going to stop uh, and ask myself, do I have to believe this? Uh, how strong is the evidence? Is there a counter-argument? Um, and actually... Are there any distortions um, and things that, that could potentially now lead from one to the next to something that could be quite bad here? Um, uh, so in this case, we've got an overgeneralization. Um, uh, all Jews uh, are bad. All Jews are, are innately wanting to stoke Middle East tension and destroy Muslims or whatever it is that, that, that drives people to believe in the, in the Twin Towers um, uh, for, uh, conspiracy. Um, uh, and, uh, and I begin to spot other uh, things, so catastrophizing, all or nothing thinking, other blaming, um, those kinds of cognitive distortions and assumptions uh, that I can see quite clearly, yeah, uh, there's room for alternative approaches, there's room for interpretations. This might not be their fault. There might be others who could be to blame for this thing that, uh, that I don't like. And I can't prove that it is those others, so maybe I'm going to keep an open mind now. Great. 
Uh, and then, using that information, you start to challenge those negative or harmful thoughts and look for evidence that might support more, uh, more healthy alternative ways of seeing the world that might be more beneficial or less harmful. Um, so what's the evidence that there could be other groups behind the Twin Towers, um, uh, such as Al-Qaeda, if I want to accept the, uh, the traditional approach? Maybe it's some crazy person. Uh, may who knows? What, what, but let's have a look at this. So there are alternative beliefs here, uh, and actually the, the evidence from my perspective, might seem just as equivocal on either side, but you know what? It's just as good on either side, so I don't have a choice. And I'm going to now focus on some of the evidence and the people who are thinking about this alternative to now say, yeah, maybe I start to believe an alternative. Not for everything. I can still keep my specialness as a conspiracy theorist, believing in the flat earth and whatever else might be out here, but for this particular problematic one that is traumatizing others, that uh, is turning me into a racist, that uh, is uh, preventing me from being able to go outside. Now, yeah, let's have a look at an alternative way of thinking that now frees me to be able to go outside, to interact, to get a phone or whatever it is that I want to, to be able to, to do. Um, now, um, uh, uh, finally, before I, I, I conclude on, on this, um, it is worth just having a, a think ethically here about uh, those people who might be perfectly happy believing the things that they're believing. And you know what? It's not causing anyone any harm. Um, uh, and this is really hard to get over. Um, so, so for me, the, the flat earth stuff, um, you know what? If you want to believe that the world is flat, then for me, I'm willing to kind of let that one go. Uh, but when that then turns into all the climate change conspiracy theories, that climate change isn't real, and this is actually a capitalist conspiracy, um, uh, that's the point at which I then start to potentially pick my my battles. Um, uh, but, but you know what? Some of these things I can let go, because actually what I'm realising now is whilst that might offend me and my sensibilities as a researcher, Actually, by constantly trying to disabuse people of these things, I'm potentially putting people down, potentially shaming people, potentially making feel, people feel rubbish about themselves, and potentially actually feeding the conspiracy theory because actually, no, psychologically, I retreat into that safe space where I am with people who believe me, like me, um, and confirm that, yeah, we're right and we're special and people like Mark and scientists like so-and-so, yeah, they are the, the deluded ones. Um, uh, so, so ask yourself, what is that sense of purpose uh, or something to oppose? That sense of belonging, that sense of identity that that person has. And ask yourself if it might be irresponsible to disabuse them of their beliefs. Uh, so for example, some people would categorise all religions as conspiracy theories to control the masses. That's why we invented religion. Um, and, um, uh, and as a result, um, uh, those people then would uh, would try uh, and instantly as soon as you see someone who holds a religious belief, well, that's that's something that that that, that person needs to be disabused of. Um, uh, does that therefore mean that um, if you do not believe in religion, um, uh, that that you should therefore evangelically try and convert people to atheism? And I think most of us would agree that actually, uh, whether or not you believe in in religion, uh, that it does serve a psychological purpose and a function for many people. It is a place of safety, of security. It helps people. It creates community, uh, and so on and so forth. 
Uh, and so uh, most atheists are not that evangelical in, uh, in, their, in their atheism. Uh, and I certainly had um, experience of that. And um, uh, so when I first was diagnosed with depression, I went on the NHS to a psychotherapist. Um, and um, she realized uh, fairly quickly on that I was a Christian. Um, and um, and maybe it was because uh, what had happened to me happened to me within um, uh, the confines of the Christian church, um, as so many horrific things do uh, in people's childhoods. Um, she figured that actually the first step was to disabuse me of the belief that there was a God um, and that if she could deconstruct my Christian faith, then that was a first step to then being able to deconstruct all of the other structures that I'd built up over the years to avoid looking at what had happened to me as a child. But uh, I would argue that uh, a person who was in the depths of, um, of depression uh, you're going to uh, want to try and leave them with a few crutches <laughs> while you're dealing with some of the, the hardest issues that they're trying now to, to deal with. Uh, and for me, um, I, I was resolute. Well, you know what? Yeah, I'm willing to deconstruct all of these other structures here, but I would like to keep this crutch, um, please, uh, whilst we, we deconstruct this. Um, and for me, I actually found that a very negative experience for me. And uh, in the end, I was discharged after six months, uh, more depressed than when I started. And I uh, wonder if partly that was because of that systematic week-on-week -week deconstructing of, uh, of my faith, um, which I found very destabilizing as, as, as an individual. Um, uh, now, you can argue the rights or wrongs of this, um, but I think it's all about context. And for me, in that context, I was saying very clearly, I don't want to go there. And I was being taken there on a regular basis. And well, you've got someone who's saying, you know what, I need this belief for whatever reason, no matter how rational or irrational that belief might be. I think we need to respect that and to think quite deeply about whether or not it is right or ethical to challenge beliefs that are uh, a uh, essential to a person's um, psychological well-being. Um, so, uh, so, so essentially what, what I'm asking here is, is can we understand uh, why people value the beliefs they've got? Um, uh, and, uh, and then once we understand that, we understand uh, whether or not ethically we can now interrogate those beliefs. And if the answer is yes, this would be ethical, this would be appropriate, uh, this is going to help them, it might help others as a result, then the approach that I take is a discussion about beliefs. It's a discussion about how healthy or harmful, how helpful or damaging those beliefs might be. And of course, I've now got a bunch of evidence that I can deploy, that I can use to help give you some more healthy, more helpful uh, beliefs that can help others if you want. But they're not going to go to that evidence. They're not going to listen to that evidence before they actually want to believe it. Uh, and I would suggest that for me, this is at the heart of dealing with any conspiracy theory. Uh, and at that heart, uh, wait for it, yeah, it's empathy. Uh, this is, of course, the, the theme that I come back to in every uh, podcast episode, pretty much, rather explicitly or implicitly. But let's make this explicit here. Uh, for me, when we confront a conspiracy theorist with a shaming, uh, don't be stupid type comment, there is a, a failure of empathy at that point that plays into the hands of the conspiracy theorists uh, and that might be a missed opportunity to actually help someone really quite deeply. And when we take that step of empathy to understand uh, why do you believe what you believe? Uh, what function does that serve for you psychologically? 
uh, and actually now, uh, is this helpful or harmful? Uh, then at that point, from that place of empathy, it may well be that we can take people on an evidence-based journey, but we do so from a much deeper place that is way, way more likely to work and way, way more likely to actually lead to beneficial results for that conspiracy theorist.